0: We're going to continue tonight through our evening series through the book of James, through the book of James. And, uh, oh, I did remember one thing. We are having church conference tonight. So in case you didn't know that, I did remember that. So that's important. But, um, but we are going to continue through our series through the book of James tonight. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, pray together one more time. Father, you have much to say to us. And Lord, um, and we need it, Lord. We need to hear from you. And Lord, to, today has been a lot of talk about wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you would, Father, make us truly wise. Your servant James told us that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives Generously. To all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So, Lord, we ask a generous God to make us wise, God, truly wise in every decision that we make, in all that we do, to honor and glorify you and to live for, uh, in view of eternity. So, make us wise tonight, we pray, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to James chapter 3. Uh, and we are talking about wisdom again tonight. I didn't necessarily plan it like that, but it's kind of how the Lord worked it out. Um, in fact, there's going to be some overlap from this morning, but that'll be all right. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about wisdoms at war. Wisdoms at war. Um, I'm just curious, has, has anyone, has any of you ever read the Screw Tape Letters? Anybody? Okay. So, The Screwtape Letters is a book written by C.S. Lewis, same guy who wrote Chronicles of Narnia. It's a fascinating book, I'd encourage you to read it. Because it's it's a fictional work, of course, but um, it, it's a extremely creative and insightful idea. It's a elder demon, an elder demon writing letters to a his nephew a a, a younger demon Giving him advice about how to tempt humans, and so it's a very insightful book because as you read it, you kind of you 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 gain you gain some insight from a very very brilliant writer C.S. Lewis about how it is that the devil actually tempts us and 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 deceives us. And um, in one part of this book, this is what the elder demon writes to the to the uh, younger demon. This is what it says. What, is what he says? Quote, It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, Without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts, um, the devil is the devil, but he's not a he's not an idiot. Um, and what we see in this example here is a type of what we could call hellish wisdom, hellish wisdom. And in a very real sense, in the spiritual reality, there is a war going on. There is a war going on between. Uh, 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 the, the angels and the demons between, uh, between us and the, 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 the spiritual forces of darkness, Paul says. But not just that, but there's a battle between uh, the sons of the light and the sons of the devil. There's the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And these two are at war and they're always, they're all, they're always clamoring for your attention, for your allegiance And what James is pleading with us this evening is to embrace the heavenly wisdom. So that's what we're going to talk about this evening, wisdoms at war. But if you have a Bible and you're able and willing, let me invite you to please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word from James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Verse 13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct... full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The word of God. You may be seated. I want to see three things from our passage tonight. First, we we are to live out humble wisdom. We are to live out humble wisdom. Number two, we are to reject hellish wisdom. And number three, we are to embrace heavenly wisdom. So, live out humble wisdom. Reject hellish wisdom and embrace heavenly wisdom. But first, we are to live out humble wisdom. In verse 13, James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of a wisdom. So, James begins by asking this uh, question here. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? But of course, uh, it's kind of a setup, right? Because what James is saying is, uh, if if you think you are wise and understanding, if you answer yes to that question, you know he, he's kind of trying to he's kind of trapping you a little bit. He says, if that is true, if you think you are wise and understanding, and it, he says, well, you should prove it. <laughs> you should prove it by your good conduct uh, and your works done in the he he calls it the meekness. Of wisdom now now what does that what does that mean well we, let 's unpack it for a little bit. The NIV translates the verse this way it says, "Let them show it, let them show their wisdom and understanding by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom that's that's a fair translation. The Net Bible translates it by his good conduct, let him show." He should show his works done in the gentleness that wisdom brings. So if we're going to try to understand this, I think maybe the best way to do it is just kind of work backwards. So if we start at the end of the verse and work backwards, the first thing is we should figure out what he's talking about when he says uh, the meekness of wisdom. And uh, we actually talked about this at at length uh, this morning. True wisdom, James says, is characterized by humility. That there is a there is a meekness, a humility that comes with being truly wise. Proverbs 15:33, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 9:8. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. A true wisdom that James is talking about is a, is a humble wisdom, it's a teachable wisdom, it's a wisdom that doesn't assume. They know it all. It's a person who has a proper understanding of their own weaknesses. right? I often say that the sin we should most be concerned about is our own. And when, and when we have a proper view of that, we treat others differently. We, we're, less, we're less self-righteous and more aware of our own weaknesses, and so we're able to deal humbly and gently with others in theirs. Uh, and uh, what James is saying here is that Again, working backwards, we must be careful then to show our works to be done in the humility of wisdom. And let him show there, when he says, let him show, it is a command. It's a command. So again, in the same way, and really James, again, he's beating the same drum. In the same way that um, a person shouldn't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer only. A person person just shouldn't say they have faith. But, but have no works with it. In the same way, a person just shouldn't think that they're wise, but they should also show their wisdom by works done in humility. By works done from uh, the meekness, he says, that comes from wisdom. Um, <clears throat> it, it, is there, it is them that is truly wise. In other words, it should be evident that our good works are flowing out of a humble heart. And finally... James says that, uh, that these works, he says, By his conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. In other words, the works that we do, that the, works that should, the good works that should flow out of our lives from our humble heart should add up together into a good conduct. That is a manner of life. In other words, it should, the truly wise person, in other words, is characterized by a life of doing good to others in a humble spirit. That is what a truly wise person is. And so, in other words, uh, what James is, is, is getting at is that true wisdom, true wisdom, again, is not just some type of, of, of knowledge, it is, it is a heart attitude. It is, it is how we live uh, our lives. And so, what we should do is we should, we should put ourselves up under James' microscope here. Am I, am I humble? <laughs> am I humble? One way to tell if you're humble or not is how easily you're offended. <laughs> if you're easily offended, uh, oftentimes what that means is that you have a lot of focus on yourself. You take lots of things personal. Right? Am I humble? Am I gentle? Am I, am I, do, I, do I view myself primarily as one who is to serve or one who should be served? Uh, do I carry a harsh or haughty disposition? Am I gentle with other people? If we're going to be truly wise and understanding, we must live out good works in the meekness of humility. And this, and this, by the way, really is countercultural. <laughs> it really is the the opposite of the way the the world thinks. Um, the world says, "Demand your rights." The world says, assert yourself. Jesus does not teach us to assert ourselves. He teaches us to deny ourselves. To deny ourselves, take up our cross and to follow him. Again, this verse, I shared it this morning. But again, Jesus said, Matthew 20, says Jesus called them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. In other words, Jesus says explicitly, the way you see it happening out there is exactly how you're not supposed to do it in here. It is not about lording authority over other people. It is about taking the place of a servant. That's why he says. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man. God in flesh came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. (laughs) Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So James is pleading with us to to have the same meekness and humility of wisdom that Jesus had in giving himself for us again, Philippians 2, 5. says, have this mind, this is Paul, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So Paul, again, he's he's pleading with us to have this same mind. So You know, at the end of the book of Philippians, if you read the book of Philippians, (laughs) Paul calls out two women for arguing with each other, enshrined in Scripture forever. (laughs) How would you like that to happen to you? Two women quarreling in the church. He names them, calls them out by name in the letter. And so it's no accident, of course, that Paul is, is writing this to the Philippian church, and he's writing it to all of us. He's saying, my goodness, Jesus, the, the God, God, Jesus, who was equal with God, did not cling to it, but laid it aside and became a servant. How much more then should we serve others? So number one here, we are to live out humble wisdom. Live out humble wisdom. And number two, we are to reject hellish wisdom. Reject hellish wisdom. Verse 14. Says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every, every vile practice. So, again here... (coughs) He is saying that if you claim to be wise, if you claim to be wise, but your wisdom is not actually lived out by lives of uh, humble service to others, then the the wisdom that you have is is not real wisdom. In fact, it's earthly. It's unspiritual. In fact, it's demonic. If you claim to have wisdom, but it does not express itself, in humble service to others, and in fact, rather than humble service he says that where you have bitter jealousy and selfish if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition do not boast and be false to the truth so these words bitter jealousy and selfish ambition they kind they paint the picture of someone if you will that has an agenda, and they themselves are right in the center of it. <laughs> And perhaps, perhaps it may be that it could be someone who loves the praise of being thought of as wise or understanding. They, they, they love to be respected. Maybe like the Pharisee who loves, who loves to, to have the best seat, uh, Jesus said, in the, in, in the feasts and in the synagogues. Right? Um, it, it could be someone who just simply loves being right. And where the bitter jealousy comes in is when someone else's ideas or arguments are preferred over their own. They want to further themselves and their agenda no matter the cost. And as we find out later, it creates all kinds of disorder and evil. And so what James is saying is this. He says, you say you're wise, but you're proud. You're envious. You are bitter towards other people. You, you, you. It bothers you that that other person's ideas were accepted and and yours weren't? It bothers you that you feel like this other person is getting honor and respect that you feel like you deserve? He says, if that is the wisdom that you're boasting in... Then the wisdom that you're boasting in is unspiritual, is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And not just that, but it's not even wisdom at all. In fact, it says he says you're lying to the truth. That's what it says. Being do not be false to the truth. You are you are lying. You're saying you're wise when he says you're not. You're lying to the truth about you're lying about the truth of what wisdom really is. And so, um, according to James, we must reject this hellish wisdom. And, of course, it's it's always a lot easier to kind of see it as out there as opposed to in here. But, I mean, we do see it. So, for example, in our day, you know, you have the the cultural elite, right? That are all, you know, they're... Lot, I mean, lots of people are just so sure they know exactly what's best in all these different complicated issues that we face in our world today. But, James says, if... If your wisdom, if you're so sure of what's right in this policy or in for this uh, in our country for this or for this issue, if you're so sure what's right, but if it's not characterized by humility and wisdom and love, James says you're not really wise. Let me tell you something. I can't remember the last time I saw humility, wisdom, and love on the TV. In other words, according to James. We're, our whole society is being influenced and all the people that are so important that you hear their voice on the news, according to James, is a fool. Because there's no humility, love, service to others. But of course, James is not really talking about out there. He's talking to the church. He's talking about in here. It can happen right in here where we are so sure that we're right about a particular issue, that we're unable to hear a contrary opinion, and if someone's idea is preferred over our own, we can take it as a personal attack. It's amazing how many people have left church because their idea wasn't received. And they felt they took it, they, they were wounded by it and took it as a personal attack and just walked right out the doors. It happens all the time. You see, there's there's wisdom. I know what, I know what's right, and they didn't listen to me. So you know what? Forget about them. James says, that's not wisdom. It's not wisdom. So-called wisdom or knowledge without love, James says, is a recipe for division. Paul, in in his incredible chapter on love, in 1 Corinthians 13, wrote this. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Listen, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I mean, if you think about what Paul is saying here, you know, just reflect on it a little bit. It's astounding. <laughs> he's saying, and he's talking, you know, it's actually in the context of spiritual gifts in 1 in, in, in Corinthians. He is saying, if you have if you are the most. Spiritually gifted person in the world. If you literally have the faith to say to the mountain, jump and it jumps. But you don't love people. It's a total waste. Total waste. He says, if you literally give every penny you have to the poor. And Jesus loves when we're generous to the poor. And if you literally give up your body to be burned at the stake as a martyr. But you don't do it out of love, Paul says you've wasted your life. That's how important our heart is before God. That it's not merely what we do, but if we're not motivated by a pure heart of love for other people, then the world might not know, but God knows. Remember in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says that he laid the foundation and we build on it with either wood, hay, or stubble or gold, silver, and precious jewels. And if we don't build on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious jewels, but with wood, hay, and stubble, uh, Paul says it'll be burned up by fire and we'll we'll walk into the kingdom empty-handed. Christianity is, above all, a heart religion. You see, the world cares about the intellect, the skill, the raw talent, or the mental, mental or physical abilities. And those things are not unimportant, but God cares preeminently about your character. Not merely what you do, but who you are. Because who you are is nothing without, but because what you do is nothing without who you are. And finally here, James says... Uh, He says that wherever jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice, verse 16. So wherever this false wisdom is, James says, this selfish ambition and this jealousy, then really there's no limit to the chaos and the kinds of evil uh, that can take place. I mean, if you think about it, you think about it. When... Well, the most dangerous kind of evil is principled evil. And what I mean by that is this. It's, it's evil that's so sure it's right. And this is what James is talking about. Wherever this, wherever this wise and understanding person is who's so sure that there's right, he says there will be disorder to every vile practice. Think about it and give you a couple of major examples. First example, let's say a person believes that their country has been deeply wronged by other nations. And and in addition, that there have been those of another race who have infiltrated and affected their nation with lies, deceit, and control. And that they, particularly as an individual, has been appointed at that time to right the wrongs that the world has done to them. And it's the right thing to do because we've been wronged. Adolf Hitler has been born. And no amount of war and no amount of concentration camps and no amount of gas chambers is too far to accomplish what you know is right. It's called self-justification. The ends justify the means. Why? Because you're so sure that you're right. Another example closer to home is you believe that human autonomy and self-determination of one's life is such an ultimate and an alienable right. So much so that you believe that even if a woman should get pregnant and that baby might hinder their plans for their life, then they should have the full and unfettered right to destroy that life to uh, to prevent their life from getting off track. And the people who would say otherwise don't get it are hateful and are part of the problem. When you're so sure that you're right, there will be no end to the lengths to which you're willing to go to make it happen. But see, what happens when we, if you live in a world where good is evil and evil is good? It's not true wisdom, James says. We are called to, to true wisdom, uh, not uh, at our root have jealousy or zeal for oneself, but that we love and serve God from the heart. and it doesn't just happen out there. it doesn't just happen in a big scale it happens it happens right here. <laughs> it happens right here when we when we uh, demand our own way. You know, we could go back to Paul's uh, first Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Paul says, love does not demand its own way. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Anybody in here keeping a record of wrongs? Love doesn't do that. It has a charitable charitable spirit towards others. We don't get impatient with others. We are careful, even when we disagree with someone, not to view them as an enemy, but, but that but that we're still brothers and sisters in the Lord this is important right we live in an, a day of identity politics and so what you do the way it works is very easy you you label them and once they have a certain label you can then you can then ignore everything you say you fit them into your narrative for them there's no nuance there's no care and the same, the, the, the thing is though is the same thing can happen in the church right We have certain ideas. Someone else may have different ideas. And all of a sudden, within the body of Christ, in your mind, it becomes, it's us against them. That's sin. We're on the same team. And we can disagree about certain things and still be brothers and sisters in the Lord. We cannot fall into the same traps and lies of the world. We must, James says, reject Hellish wisdom. It's not from God. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. So we live out humble wisdom. We reject hellish wisdom. And finally, James wants us to embrace heavenly wisdom. Embrace heavenly wisdom. Verse 17. James says, The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So if we know what uh, heavenly wisdom isn't, then what is it? Well, James tells us. James tells us. First, he says that heavenly wisdom is pure. Pure. Heavenly wisdom is pure. The word is in the same family as the word there's the word that's translated "holy." Wisdom from God means to be pure. It refers it refers clearly to to moral purity. Truly wise people, James says, are pure people, are holy people. In other words, for James and for God, wisdom is not just a practical category. See, oftentimes, and especially in America, we, it's very tempting to become very pragmatic. You know, if it works, it's okay. If, if, it, if, if it just achieves the end that we are desiring, if it, it, if it brings about the purpose, the, the goal that we have in mind, as long as it works, it's okay. But that is not heavenly wisdom. Biblical wisdom is inherently moral. That is, biblical wisdom is much more than just being able to get your desired outcomes out of life. Rather, biblical wisdom is living life the right way. Pure in thought, in heart, in body, in soul. A holy life That is truly wise. And that's what God will bless. The second aspect of heavenly wisdom, James says, is that it's peaceable. Heavenly wisdom is peaceable. A person that's truly wise, James says, will be a peaceable person. A peace-filled person. In other words, they're a person that's easy to get along with. They don't bring negativity and division and a contrary spirit everywhere they go. You know, we hate to say it, but it's true. There are some people that are so rough around the edges, you feel like you get cut every time you're around them, right? It's just hard to be around. You love them. You love them. You really do love them, but it's just, you know, it's like you can only take so much, right? But look, we don't, we can't, it, you know, and we all have our rough edges. There's no doubt about that. Here's the deal. We got to let God sand them off. We can't excuse ourselves and say, that's oh, just who I am. No, not if the spirit of God is in you. Let God sand us off so that we become peaceable people. People, you know, people, others should not have to walk in egg shell, on eggshells around you. They shouldn't. It's not right. We should be peaceable people. We should embrace this heavenly wisdom rather than producing disorder and, and vile practices everywhere we go. We should be saturated with. We should be a peace. We should be a peacemaker. This type of peaceable person is unflappable because their identity and hope is so securely, is so securely so securely rooted in God that. They're just not not concerned. What, somebody talk bad about me? Oh, whatever. God will deal with it. It's fine. I got a life to live. I got a God to serve. Huh? You bring peace with you everywhere you go. Joy and hope. You exude and propagate peace everywhere you go. You know, some people... Some people, (laughs) they wonder... They wonder why why everywhere they go, there there seems to be drama. And they never put the connection that it's everywhere they are. They just never put it together. It might be because you bring it with you. Peaceable people. Next, James says that heavenly wisdom is gentle. It's gentle. The NIV translates the word considerate. That's a fair translation. The heavenly wise person is a gentle person, a considerate person, a thoughtful person. They're not harsh or excessively demanding. They don't demand their own way, but will appropriately yield uh, to others. Whereas a person who is gripped by this uh, bitter jealousy or selfish ambition, you know, uh, they can't just let things go. You know, it's got to be my way, and if it's not, I'm going to be personally offended by it. And and if people don't meet up to my standards, I'm going to let them know it. But James says that the heavenly wise person is a gentle person. They put the needs of others before themselves. Next, James says that it's open to reason. that That the heavenly wise person is open to reason. The KJV renders it easy to be entreated. Easy to be entreated. You know... Uh, and basically what it means I mean easy to be entreated, open to reason it just it just means that you're a fair-minded person you' you know you're thoughtful you're not willing you not some people every hill is a hill they're going to die on going to die on this it's just unnecessary every hill is not a hill to die on right what you what you're going to eat for lunch today is not a hill to die on the color of the carpet's not a hill to die on you're you're open to reason. You're you're persuadable, right? You're humble in your opinions. You know a great a great example of this is small children. They all go through seasons uh, a season or seasons where they it has to be a control. If it's not their idea, they don't want it. You could tell them you want some cake. They say no. I want a cookie. <laughs> here's a here's a fork. No, I wanted a spoon. Nah. It's real. (laughs) It's real. Totally not open to reason. You can't reason with them, right? It happens. (laughs) Some adults can be like that too. (laughs) Open to reason, James says, is heavenly wisdom. Next, here, James says that heavenly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. He says it's full of mercy and good fruits. James spoke of mercy earlier in, in chapter 2, verse 13. And in the context, uh, the, the, the context before he talks about it is where he's talking about we shouldn't show partiality to the rich over against the poor. And then in, in the context following the verse, it's where he talks about how our faith should be expressed in care for others. And so it's clear here, and, and he pairs it says, it says full of mercy uh, and good fruits. And so in, in, the, in the original language there in the Greek, he's, he's actually paired the two together. In other words, in James's mind, mercy and good fruits, are, are they're one and the same thing. In other words, a merciful person is a person who does good to others, right? In fact, we use the phrase from time to time that Or or I think as as Paul uses the phrase in one of his spiritual gifts lists, he says, the one who does acts of mercy. Merciful acts. To be a merciful person, James says, is to be a person who does good to others, especially to the less fortunate and to those who are in need. Again, we talk about it all the time, but that's because the Bible talks about it all the time. The language in Matthew 25 of Jesus' parable is astounding to me. It says, this is what Jesus says. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he tells them all these things that they did for him. And then this is their response in verse 37. He says, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. I want, we just got to think about that for a second, because this is astounding. And I'm not saying we should, we should. We we definitely must be wise in the love and in in, in the way that we 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 don't want to be enable people. Understand that. But here's the deal: if Jesus walked through that door and said, "Would you buy me a meal?" Nobody in this room would say no. <laughs> we wouldn't. Jesus said, "When you do good for others." and you help the needy especially within the church and you and you you do tangible actual acts of good to help those who need it you visit the sick you feed you feed the hungry you clothe the naked you visit those in prison jesus said when you were doing it when you fed that person it was me that was hungry i was hungry When you you visited the sick, Jesus says, it was me. I was sick. And you visited me. Thank you for doing that. Everything that we do as an act of love and service to other people out of faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus says, you have done it to me. You see, if we view our good works like that, it'll change the way we do good, I'm telling you it'll change the way we do good for other people cuz we're doing it not just for others we're doing it for Christ so heavenly wisdom James says is full of mercy and good fruits next he says it's impartial he says it's impartial the word means the word means to to not make distinctions and we've talked about that before and so it could it could just mean impartial in the sense of not show partiality, as he's talked about before. Or it could mean um, to not make distinctions within oneself. And what that would mean is to talk about what we've we've talked about a lot in the book of James as well, and that is to not be double-minded, to not be back and forth. Again, to not be the person who is a hearer but not a doer, to not be the person who says, oh, yeah, I have faith, but no works. To not be the person who says they're wise and understanding, but doesn't actually live it out. To be wholehearted towards God is to be heavenly wise. And finally, James says, heavenly wisdom is to be sincere. Literally, it means not playing the part, right? It's easy to play the Christian part, (laughs) but it's not heavenly wisdom. It's not true It's not genuine. It's not real. God sees through it and eventually other people will too. So, in summary, we just have to ask ourselves, are we heavenly wise? Are we pure in our lives? Are we pure? If we're not, the answer is very simple. Repent. Confess. Receive the forgiveness that God offers. And and by his grace and by his powerful spirit, put that sin to death and walk on in lives of purity. If there's sin in your life, don't just be content with it. Kill it, or it'll kill you. Repent, and God will forgive you. Forgive us of our sin. Be peaceable. Are we peaceable? Are we peaceable? Are you easy to get along with? Uh, you know, are, is, are you letting God sand you down? Or, or do you feel like it's your spiritual gift to sand down others? It's not. <laughs> Okay? Be peaceable. Are we peaceable people? Are we gentle? Are we open to reason? Are we persuadable? Do we listen? Do we care to take other people's thoughts and opinions into consideration? Are we full of mercy and good fruits? Do we serve others as if we're serving Jesus Christ himself? Are we impartial? Are we wholehearted towards God or are we divided? in our affections? Do we, or do, we, uh, uh, do we have one front in public and uh, another life in private? And are we sincere? Are we real? Are we authentic? And finally, in closing, James says in verse 18, that there is a harvest of righteousness sown in peace by those who make peace. It's hard to know exactly what James is saying here, but it seems to be this. Is that those He's, he's got a big focus on peace here. And that those who are peacemakers, who are peaceable people, who live this way, who embrace this heavenly wisdom, you you as you live your life, you are sowing peace. You are sowing peace. And the reward for that, he says, is a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In other words, as we strive to live lives of heavenly wisdom and being peaceable, peace-filled, joy-filled, hope-filled, unflappable people, what we do is we sow righteousness and, we, we, and the reward itself is peace in our lives, right? In other words, a person reaps what they sow. If you reap disorder and bitterness and jealousy and harshness in your life, guess what? That's what you're going to live in. When you make your bed, you have to lie in it. But if we live peaceable lives, the reward that we have for it is peace. So what do we do? We live out humble wisdom, we reject hellish wisdom, and we embrace heavenly wisdom. Because, James says, like it, it when we live this way, when we, when we walk in this way, what we do is we bear the aroma of heaven. <laughs> as we walk about and we are sowers of peace and righteousness in our lives, people should be able to smell heaven on us. That something is different about us. And I just want you to think about three these. There's, there's three, major, three major characteristics that, that James pointed out here about what it means to have true wisdom from God. It says they're merciful people, they're pure people, and they're peaceable people. Merciful pure and peaceable people. And I close with this. He's, Jesus knows his brother. <laughs> I mean, John knows his brother, Jesus. And this is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 7 through 9. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You want to see God? You will. you pure in heart. Finally, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You see, this is heavenly wisdom, folks. What more could a person humanly want than to receive mercy, to see God, and to be called a a child of God? There's nothing greater. And so let's pursue heavenly wisdom with all that we are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. That you have forgiven us of our sins through Jesus Christ. And that you have the offer of forgiveness of sins to all who believe in you. Lord, you, Lord Jesus, God in the flesh became a man 2000.